this time on episode 413 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We talk X-Men, the animated series, season two, episodes one through five, and some background information on Fox Kids network developer Sidney Awanter. We talk weekly Marvel news, including what Netflix is doing with the Marvel series, the Doctor Strange Super Bowl trailer and Moon Knight Super Bowl trailer, and we talk your feedback, including your favorite Marvel comic-based video games, your multiverse mutant and Avengers team-ups, and your favorite rocking Marvel character on tour. I'm Anthony Bachman from All Things Good and Nerdy, a geeky podcast part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the shield director. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Marvel Comic Book Universes as told on screen by Marvel Studios. This show is recorded on Thursday, February 17th, 2022, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Fox Kids Wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Gang, happy National Random Acts of Kindness Day. That's a good holiday. We need more of those. Every day is National Random Act of Kindness Day. Funny enough, there are several National Random Acts of Kindness Days, and this is just one, so it's kind of random throughout the year. So you guys are kind of right, and then I do agree with Chris. Every day needs to be Random Acts of Kindness Day. So what you're saying is it's a random act of kindness day. It's a random, random act of kindness day. That's right. All right. So make sure you go out and do some random act of kindness for others. In the meantime, we love talking about Marvel. Because of being fooled by Zoom Backdrop. If you'd like to talk to us about being fooled by Zoom Backdrop, you can get a hold of us at our website, legendsofshield.com. If you're really good at making noises with your mouth, maybe you can call and leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. And give us the audio equivalent of a Zoom background. You can find us on Twitter at Legends of Shield. You can see Chris's Zoom background on YouTube at youtube.com slash if you want to see just a still image version of it, though, you can head on over to the Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. Season 2 of X-Men, the animated series. I'm excited to talk about this, and I know y'all are, especially Lauren. Welcome back, Lauren. Yes, I'm glad to be back. This is your first chance to talk about X-Men, the animated series, so do you just want to get right into it? Yeah. All right, here we go. Yeah. 
Sorry to slightly disappoint you, Lauren, because first we're going to talk about somebody that made the series possible. I'm going to talk about Sydney I Wanter. So I'm like, who is this Sydney? So I watched some videos, Lauren, for your benefit. I watched some videos to try to figure out who Margaret Lesh was, which is an amazing personality, by the way, in all of television history. Anyway, she had somebody working for her that she constantly referred to that I didn't know anything about called Sydney. I want her. So he was the network, the Fox kids network executive in charge of running the show. He wasn't the showrunner, but he was the network executive that was in charge of the show. So he does have a developer credit, which is X-Men, the animated series. Give a little background in this guy, very cerebral. And the reason he's cerebral is because his father fought in World War II. He was from Lithuania and a Jew, so he fought against the Nazis back then. And he joined ultimately the Polish cavalry because Lithuania didn't really have a army. And when they got overrun, he joined the French army. He was overrun at Dunkirk. He was captured, put inside a concentration camp, was liberated, and then ended up fighting with the Americans at the Battle of the Bulge. And then after the war, because he was fighting in the American army, he came to the United States, settled in Wisconsin. And that is where Sidney is from, Wisconsin. Now, Sidney himself has a deep love of history because of everything that his father went through. And he got a degree in history from the University of Wisconsin. So how did he end up at Fox Kids? Well, he was accepted to USCLA Film School, but dropped out after a year and a half because apparently it wasn't challenging enough, or maybe he was a dropout. I'm not sure exactly why. He didn't really go into it. I watched a YouTube video with him being interviewed at the University of Wisconsin. So great interview. I will link it in the show notes. Once he got out, he got a job as a typist at Channel 9 within the LA area. I don't know what network Channel 9 was, but he got a job at Channel 9 because he was a fast typist. He could type faster than any of the other applicants. So he got the job. That job led to a job at Paramount Pictures, which led him to a job at Hanna-Barbera in 1979. Here, I think, is where he hooked up with Margaret Lesh. So she was his boss there. And then she moved on to Marvel Entertainment and hired him at Marvel Entertainment. She moved on to Fox Kids. She hired him on at Fox Kids. And that is where he was at when the X-Men, the animated series, was on, on Fox Kids. He's most proud of all the series that he was in charge of, of X-Men, the animated series. That's saying something because he also ran Batman, the animated series, which was also a really good show, but he was most proud of X-Men, the animated series. He loved the multi-level stories since he was educated. He loved the references to Voltaire and Shakespeare, his favorite character is Beast. He loved the show's premise, the outlines, scripts, and, and he's in charge of the story writers, the first cuts and the final cuts. He okayed all the story writers. He hired them basically. And he worked with Joe Palmari of Marvel to finalize the premises of each of the episodes and of the seasons. And he was instrumental. He was the reason why we're going to talk about Morph tonight. He was the reason why Morph came back. And it was to satisfy a promise to Avery Coburn, who was the broadcast standards and practices person that oversaw the show, because 
they promised that they would bring Morph back, just like a soap opera character, because they couldn't have deaths on the show. But they wanted to have some sort of impact that these characters could have in life. So they fought, the showrunners fought, to kill Morph in episode one. But his concession was that they would bring Morph back eventually, which happened at the beginning of season two. And it was to satisfy a promise that he made Avery. And Avery, she was very happy with that. So the X-Men, the animated series, he said, this is interesting. It was never designed for adults. It was always designed for kids 6 to 11 years old. Now, you can debate that if you want, but that's what he said. It was always designed for kids. And the one thing that he wishes was different about the series was that the animation was better and that they had the budget that Batman the Animated Series did. And Batman the Animated Series had a big budget because Warner Brothers was throwing all the cash that they had just made from Batman in the movie theaters into their animated series. So that's why Batman the Animated Series was animated a little bit better than X-Men the Animated Series. And he said the show was successful because it had multi-layered stories, great writing, they worked the characters' backstories into their actions and activities. And what was really good is he made sure that if a character was making a choice or committing an action, it was always based on the philosophy of that character. They never had a character do anything that was out of ordinary for that character. And he said also the great voice talent really, really so that was Sidney Iwanter, and he was the network guy in charge of the development. I thought that was pretty interesting, especially since we talked about Margaret Lesh two podcasts ago, and then we talked about Ron Wasserman, who was in charge of the theme for the show. So that was the network side. I don't think these three get as much credit as they deserve for bringing the series forward. Now, granted, the show, the voice talent, the writers, and they really did the lion's share of everything, but these three made everything possible as well to make sure this was on the screen, which is why I wanted to talk about them. So you guys have anything to say about Sydney? Well, that is, both for him and his dad, a hell of a life. I'm not surprised that his favorite character is Beast, given what you mentioned about him. And yeah, we owe him, like, a huge debt of gratitude for bringing us a show that didn't talk down at a time when a lot of shows were still very nakedly cash grabs, like a lot of shows aimed at kids. So, yeah. It was one of the things he said. He said he never wanted to talk down to the kids. He wanted to say it like it was. He said that might have made it seem like it was more adult than it was, but in his mind, these are concepts that kids 6 to 11 should be exposed to. Anyway. If we pitched both Sydney's and his dad's lives as a movie, you would be telling us to go back and make it more realistic. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. All right, Michelle, are you ready to talk some X-Men? Yes. Previously on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. But before we get there, I need to talk to you guys about something. I was wrong last week. Chris, do you know why I was wrong? I can think of at least 12 reasons, but what's the one you're thinking of? They did an amazing job on one of the most classic stories from comics, Days of Future Past. Better than the movie. 
Again, this show, better than the X-Men movies. I'm going to go a little bit more basic here. We're talking time travel. We get a time travel story. That's awesome. I love time travel stories. I just did an episode of Time Traveler's Wife for another podcast. Just love it. Figure out in the next, after Days of Future Past, Magneto's basically was just sitting around with a, a drink, maybe with an umbrella in it, who knows, just waiting to see all this awfulness unfold. Didn't happen. Kidnapped Senator Kelly himself. I want to interject one thing. The ship that Magneto's on reminded me so much of the Amazo back in Arrow, right? The Green Arrow off the island, right? I, I was just thinking, oh, what's the name of the ship? Please tell me it's the Amazo. Please tell me it's the Amazo. But of course, that would be crossing the streams. And that previously on was brought to us by Chris. Thank you very much, Chris. It's so much fun to put together. Yes, and uh, it's amazing that I don't cross the streams too much on here. <laughs> All right, so we watched the first five episodes of season two of X-Men, the animated series titled Tell Death to Us Part, Part One, Tell Death to Us Part, Part Two, Whatever It Takes, Red Dawn, and Repo Man. These were aired in order between October 23rd, 1993 and November 20th, 1993. Michelle, what happened in these episodes? Tell Death to Us Part, Part One, Gene and Scott get married. Newly elected President Kelly has freed Beast, who has been incarcerated since the attack on a government facility at the beginning of season one and added him as part of his presidential cabinet. Another friend who was thought to be dead in the same incident has resurfaced, but this time he's not so friendly. With the president's newly found pro-mutant point of view, the public feels betrayed and are reacting with violence. Till death do us part, part two. Scott and Jean are on their way to a secluded island for their honeymoon, but get cut short by Mr. Sinister. As Morph continues with his plans of revenge against the X-Men, he starts losing his motivation, but Mr. Sinister makes sure he finishes what he started. The Friends of Humanity have begun to rally. Whatever it takes. Storm recovers from her injuries and returns to her duty as leader of the X-Men. When a tear in the astral plane appears in Africa, Storm goes there to investigate. It just so happens that the terror is in her home village. Meanwhile, Xavier and Magneto alert to the savage land in Antarctica, and Wolverine continues his search for more. Red Dawn. Colossus returns home to Russia with Jubilee by his side. They are confronted by a newly revived Russian, life-force-absorbing super-soldier from the Cold War named Omega Red, who has a bad history with Wolverine. Xavier and Magneto continue their treacherous journey through the savage land. Repo Man, after Wolverine has been lured to Canada by an alleged message from an old friend, Heather Hudson, he finds himself fighting Heather's husband, Vindicator, and the Canadian super team, Alpha Flight, instead. Alpha Flight believes that they were only sent after Wolverine to get him to rejoin their team. However, their general, Chasen, has a more sinister agenda to retrieve Wolverine's adamantium skeleton at any cost some big things happen in these first five episodes so let's go over our initial thoughts of these first five episodes shell what do you think this is like what it feels like to read a comic you got these little self-contained stories but an overarching one that makes you want to buy the next issue watching just the ones we're covering here though really sucks because i mean i've kind of alluded to it before but We've gotten so much into a binge culture, being able to see however much of the show you want to see. 
And I'm trying to experience this the way it was when it came out back in the early 90s. And knowing that those episodes are just sitting there waiting for me is really, really hard not to keep going. I've been having a blast watching this with, you know, <laughs> odd years of of distance and seeing what my impressions now are from when I was younger. I think my opinion has definitely evolved on a lot of the characters. It seems to be a running theme of people that come back to this after watching it originally. And I didn't just to be clear. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, I'm watching the series for this first time as an old man, gray in my beard. I'm watching it. I'm really enjoying it. That's cool. Even though that the mutants are not my favorite Marvel characters, I will have to say that, but I am enjoying this series. And this season begins with these five episodes in what appears to be season long arcs. You got stories that jump from episode to episode. You have Morph coming back. You have Gene and Scott married and their relationship affecting the team and they trying to have a relationship being superheroes. You have Xavier and Magneto in the Savage Land, which I didn't realize until a couple of years ago really what that was. You have Mr. Sinister being introduced as probably the big bad of this season. And then you have background of characters, specific episodes that are designed to get background into characters, more background into Wolverine, you have background into Storm and Colossus. If this continues, this is going to be really cool, at least through season four. We talked about some issues maybe with season five coming up on it, but we'll talk about that later. So I really enjoyed it. Okay, we're going to start talking about Morph because there was a big thing about this series, Morph is dead in the first episode he comes back because sydney made a promise a network promise and it's kind of big for a kid's television show but apparently it's happened in soap operas so i don't know uh, lauren what do you think about morph's return <sighs> okay so morph was a character that i absolutely hated when i was younger i hated his little laugh i just <clears throat> i hated him and now when i'm watching i'm like Okay, I see the value in this character. Yeah, he was a throwaway character in season one to show, oh, here's stakes. But in bringing him back, it's like, hey, yeah, he was Wolverine's friend. He's hurt because he thinks his friends left him. And this person's been pouring this poison into his ear saying they left you. They all hate you. They all. And you have him trying to kind of figure out things for himself. and. It's kind of an interesting look at dealing with trauma and dealing with, you know, misunderstanding maybe stuff that's happened with your friends. Yes, with Morph being brought back from the brink of death by Sinister, Sinister can manipulate. Who knows all he can manipulate? It's Mr. Sinister. He has such unusual powers. He claims. To have made, you know, I saved you. You should be grateful. But he's obviously using Morph as well. And poor Morph. I'm being used by Mr. Sinister. And now I have these conflicting stories in my head. And my friends are telling me that I would have made the same decision Scott did. For the team, you hear that a lot. You would have done the same thing. 
Except from Wolverine. I really appreciate how Wolverine, he goes after more. But eventually after their fight, Wolverine says, I'll be here for you. Which is sometimes what people in trauma need. Sometimes we just need to be in a blanket burrito. And all we need you to do is sit there, eat chips with us as we watch silly things on TV or whatever. And by letting Morph know, I understand that you need to do this on your own now, but I'm here for you. I thought that was a good message. Like watching this now, when I was younger, I really didn't get it. But now that was a really good handling of trauma for a kid's show back in the 90s. This is just the beginning of the perfect example of why X-Men is Marvel's greatest superhero soap opera. Because you have characters coming back. Because you have later instances that we'll hit on where characters are just kind of coming in and out of the story as needed. And you're thrown in with a character like Morph and Wolverine. We don't know all about their friendship just from watching this show. We just know that they're friends. And we're expected to pick up on all of that. Like, there's no way in soap operas they expected you to be watching everything from like the 1950s forward. Just like when you're reading the comics, nobody really expects you to have read every single issue. But here in these episodes, it's just showing how easy it is to pick up on what's going on. And then, you know, after a few issues being read or a few episodes, you're basically caught up and you might not know the exact details, but you've got the general idea of what's going on and you can just roll from there. One of the things that's throwing me for a little bit of a loop here, because I have no movie background and I have very little comic book background, matter of fact, no comic book background on Mr. Sinister. This is a new character for me. And if somebody's watching this for the first time, they don't know what's going on. And it's kind of fun to go through these first five episodes and be introduced to this character because I know nothing about him. Michelle, what do you think about Mr. Sinister in these first five episodes? Whoever cast the voice actor, bravo. I saw him in the comics, in the design. He's obviously medicine, even with the silly, weird cape thing. It's a choice. The teeth, the close-ups, the weird sort of slimy kind of delivery you know he's bad he's just going to be a problem and a powerful problem since you brought up the voice actor let's give credit where it's credits due it's chris Britton who voices mr sinister here lauren what do you think about mr sinister try not to spoil anything i'm just going to say that mr sinister is what happens when shippers go to the extreme Chris, what's your take on Mr. Sinister? Not trying to spoil anything is really the hard part here. But it's so exciting when he shows up because I know the characters are going to have a pretty formidable force to try to work against. And just the way he goes about everything. Like one of his powers might as well just being grandiose and fabulous because he does that as he's doing all the evil stuff. All right. Well, I look forward to learning more about Mr. Sinister. Another big overarching story that we're dealing with in these first five episodes, probably for the rest of the season, just judging by how it's going, is Xavier and Magneto in the Savage Land, which is great because, you know, they're getting chased by dinosaurs and they've got their powers taken away, but 
Xavier can actually walk and they're having to deal with this whole thing, right? And it's awesome. It also reminds me an awful lot like Johnny Quest. And I think some of the same animation team or something like that was involved because it just reminds me of that. But anyway, what do you guys think of Xavier and Magneto? Chris, what do you think? Those two together are always a good pairing for me because when people seem to get into X-Men, they get this idea that Xavier and Magneto are just two opposing ideals that are just always butting heads with each other. When in reality, they're not that far apart. Like They have the same goal. They want the same things to happen. It's just a matter of how are they going to get there. So you've got, you know, Xavier wants to be more peaceful about it, and Magneto is going to be totally fine just killing everybody that stands in his way to make sure that mutants are well taken care of and everything. But in the end, they really just want a safe place where mutants like them can live. Okay, so to nobody's surprise, I ship them. I've shipped them for ages since, like, I don't know, the X-Men, the original X-Men movie in 2000. <laughs> surprise Pikachu face. The, um, okay. So, like Chris was saying, they have amazing chemistry. But what I want to talk about is actually Xavier walking. They don't really get into it on the show. And I remember when I found out why this was the case when I was younger. And it just kind of, it's both one of the amazing and really, really dumb things about comics. So, the whole thing is originally in the 616 timeline. Xavier was paralyzed when he got into a fight with this, with Satan. Okay. Basically the literal devil. Uh, I'm sorry, Lucifer. And had a rock dropped on him in the astral plane. So the explanation for why he can walk in the savage land is canonically because he associates his mutant power with his paralysis. If he can't use his powers, he can walk. Which is honestly sort of what they did in the X-Men First Class verse or in, um, yeah, Days of Future Past. And it's ridiculous. They've retconned it a few times. But it's still, it just always makes me laugh being in middle school and reading it and finding out, wait a minute, this is why. Looking at it now, I think it's just, not sure about the message now. But I understand why having to have a lot of time devoted to trying to figure that out. I can understand that. And I too under, you know, got the whole comic thing. I've lost how many ways Xavier has had his injuries, just like I've lost how many Jean Grays there have been. After a while, you just shrug and go, okay. And enjoy watching those two. They're the ultimate buddy comedy deal. There was that moment where Magneto's just like, you know, Charles, you just gotta let me die. And Charles is just like, dude, you're my friend. I don't want you to die. Basically professing, you know, the love to each other. It's great. It's only gonna get better. But in the end, there's a reason why a very valid explanation for anything that will happen in this series is because X-Men. Yeah. All right. (laughs) 
So because X-Men, we have this fantastic episode about Storm, her background, her son, and the Shadow King, who we know through Legion, because we covered Legion on this podcast. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I see Shadow King, and I'm like, I know that! That's from Legion! (laughs) He's a friend from work! Yeah, that's right. I got that reference. So anyway, uh, why don't we talk about that wonderful episode with Storm, because it was amazing. Lauren, go ahead. Okay, so first off, the ending of Legion would have been way different if David had been able to turn into Sonic the Hedgehog. But beyond that, I love getting more backstory with Storm. She was my sister's... When we would play X-Men when we were kids, I would always be Rogue and my sister would always be Storm. So I've always had a soft spot for Storm, first of all, because she's awesome and also by that association. So getting to see kind of a softer more human side of her because this was storm is this very regal queenly figure and getting to see not only like the frailty in her the tenderness in her uh not frailty vulnerability is the word i was looking for and her connection with other people who aren't the x-men i loved seeing storm loves her people whether her people are the people in her village or her adopted family of the X-Men, or or the Morlocks when they're that happens in the comics. I don't remember if it comes up here in the show or not. And you can just tell that she wants the best for whichever group of people she's deciding is hers in that moment. And just the fact that she can go back there and it's an instant, oh look, there's something happening in my village. I must go take care of it because they are my people and I will protect them. And that's something that she's always done and will always do. And I love it. Not only do we get Storm in action, we get girl power. It's Storm and Rogue together. And it's amazing because it's really interesting now how this show passes the Betchel test almost all the time where you have of female characters on the screen for more than two minutes, actively engaged in the plot, not talking about men. And you see Rogue trying to talk sense into Storm. Storm showing how strong she is because she does the sacrifice of, yes, Shadow King, take over my body because of my son thing. And flying up into the atmosphere, willing to make that sacrifice but I think also going, he's probably going to leave my body. You know, the whole preparing for both. It's a, it's a good episode. The one thing that I've noticed about Storm is I've done some research into these episodes in order to do the show notes. And there have been two voice actors that have done Storm. Both are credited in that one episode. Allison Seeley Smith and Iona Morris. They were both credited in that same episode. Now. Ultimately, I, one wins out over the other. I want to say Allison Seeley Smith did the most episodes as Storm. Yeah, and I don't know if that was just a thing of availability or they just went with the one or if they were going for two voices. Because when Storm is actually doing her powers, her voice is definitely more projecting and, and stuff like that. So I don't know. Maybe they used one for superhero or super powered storm and and one for not but this was an episode that they were both credited for which i believe was 
one of the only few, I don't know, I haven't looked at all of them, but I just thought that was interesting that both voice actors were involved here. All right, let's move on to another character episode, the Colossus episode, the Red Dawn episode, where we get Ileana and we get Colossus. I love Colossus, especially how he's depicted in the series. Michelle, what do you think about Colossus and Ileana? Colossus just showing up out of nowhere because X-Men, again. And pairing him up with Jubilee really pays off from season one. If this was the first time you watched it and you didn't know about season one, it works. But if you remember the season one episode where he's carrying Jubilee and he, he's like little one and, you know, putting her in the Jeep and to actually go from that to accepting her help, it's just really fascinating to watch because he's, you know, worried, worried about his little sister and everything. And he's just like, well, I'll do it without the X-Men. And Jubilee's just like, I can do this. I can drive the plane because of hours in the simulation. I got this. I just want to say it's not because she's a girl. It really isn't. But Jubilee and people like Jubilee are why we need self-flying flying cars. That's all I'm saying. I relate. I There's a, um, a VR flying simulator that was created by a guy who I guess actually flies and it's supposed to be one of the like most accurate ones and I tried playing it once I crashed I panicked and never again so me and Jubilee right there I love this era of Colossus where he's basically just a big happy golden retriever in the comics since he's I'm not going to say mellowed out because it's not really mellowing out, but they've dramaed him up a lot. And my favorite Colossus will just always be this, just like big, friendly, helpful, loves his family, loves his friends, likes tractors. I am Colossus. I am a big giant doofus. I like to pick things up and put them down somewhere else where it helps people. And I mean, it works for him though. And so seeing just big, goofy colossus saying i need to go help my family and i'm gonna go do that however i want and jubilee basically going uh there's nobody else here f this let's go and just jumping in and then realizing on the way hmm, i should maybe figure out how to fly the plane i hope i can do it and colossus though i mean him in this whole series every time he shows up it's just amazing plus the real real love you see that he has for his sister being willing to not only get in front of a tractor, which I don't care if you're made out of metal, essentially, by the time it gets there, getting hit by a tractor is probably not fun. Thankfully, I've never had that happen to me before, so I can't tell you for sure, but I'm willing to bet I'm right there. And just show off to everybody. My father-in-law says it's not fun. Oh. Um, a family member tried to run him over with a tractor. He's fine. We don't talk to that person anymore. <laughs> Probably a good move. Family member. Okay. Technically not my family. Member. Your chosen family is much, much better most of the time than the family you're born into. Hence X-Men, because that's basically what it is. It's just a giant soap opera of chosen family. But even with your family that you're born into, you've got Colossus who is willing to show off the fact that he's a mutant in front of all those people in order to save his sister 
knowing that the Soviet government is going to, if he's lucky, lock him away for the rest of his life and make him work on things because he's big and strong and made out of metal. So Lauren, how you've described Colossus, I was thinking about it, reminds me a lot about Matt LeBlanc. A golden retriever, just happy to see you, loves tractors. That's Matt LeBlanc. Yeah, I will admit my uh, my knowledge of Matt LeBlanc is about like one episode of the new Top Gear. Yeah, I don't want to insult Colossus like that. <laughs> I don't think it's an insult, but anyway. I was thinking more Mr. Peanut Butter, but I guess Matt LeBlanc works. Mr. Peanut Butter? Like You're going to have to explain yourself, Chris. Yeah. From, what's the horse Netflix cartoon? I can't remember now. Bojack, Bojack Horseman. Yeah, for Bojack Horseman. Okay, I was thinking Mr. Peanut. Oh, no, no, that's a totally different thing. This is why I was confused. All right, let's talk about the Wolverine episode, the Alpha Flight episode. I had a slightly different experience with Alpha Flight in the comics because of the all new, all different version of Alpha Flight with sword in space. So it was different. That singular look at Alpha Flight was different than this, but I guess this is more akin to what Alpha Flight is in the comics, right, Michelle? Yes. I am someone who read Alpha Flight, North Star. Seeing them, I forgot about this episode. I forgot Alpha Flight was in this, and I'm watching it. It's like, there's North Star, there's Puck, and everything. What's interesting about Alpha Flight They are both formidable, yet the punchline to a joke. Because Canada? (laughs) Dude, Marvel Canada is no joke. (laughs) No, no. Exactly. I mean, it amused me because this was, I think, recorded in Canada. And it's very, very obvious in parts. Like, I think it's the previous episode where Jubilee says, sorry. And. I'm like, oh, they're home. All the voice actors were from the Toronto scene. Absolutely right. The animation was done in South Korea. And of course, the series was really headquartered in Los Angeles. So that's how they did it. Chris, what do you think of Alpha Flight? Alpha Flight's cool. I love that they're going in there and just the way that they're so easily bricked into thinking, yeah, we're going to get our Wolverine back and we miss him. And no, that's not the case at all. But you know what this is really missing from Wolverine? If they're going to take away his adamantium skeleton, he needs his bone claws. I know. I was like looking, where are the bone claws? Because it should have been in the uh, episode before he had the adamantium infused into him. Well, if... Okay, I'm sorry. I hope you don't mind. No. Well, okay. I'm trying not to bring in too many 90s stories, but I remember... This is how old I am. Who cares? I remember there was a storyline in the comics. Look, this is from the 90s, so I'm not spoiling anything. Where Magneto gets so powerful, he can manipulate adamantium. And he actually pulls all of the adamantium out of Wolverine. And Jean Grey actually is powerful enough to keep Wolverine alive by holding him together. And a few issues after that, like when he, when Wolverine is up and about, all of a sudden his claws come out and everyone's shocked because 
the claws were part of him. And it's one of those things where did he always know they were part of him? Or was it something that he just forgot? Or it was it just something, hey, wouldn't it be cool if those claws were his all along? I don't know what the comic writers were thinking, but that's what happened. So it's one of those, it's one of those things that depending on your viewpoint, whether or not the claws. So I remember when that happened because my cousin Stevie was the one who was, he's the one who got me into X-Men and we were hanging out in my backyard and he told me about that. And my eyes were just like, so that actually, that comic dropped the year after this. The the comic dropped in, I'm sorry. No, it, it was November 93 when that comic So about the dropped. time that this episode aired, which was November 93. Yeah, but when they would have been in production, it was yes. way before it that. It was far before that. Also, remember that there was a lot of animation issues that they had with the South Korean animation house. It wasn't Saban. I said that in a previous podcast. It was Saban. Saban Entertainment was the house that was running the show in LA, and they subcontracted to another company that subcontracted to a South Korean animation firm. And I don't remember the names of those two companies right now, but it wasn't Saban that did the animation. And because of the issues that they were having with the animation, I could see maybe this slipped through, like we don't have time to go back to correct it, maybe. And it just became what it became. I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing. All right. One of the things that we haven't talked about a lot, and I don't really want to talk about it, is the wedding between Gene and Scott. It happened. They go on their honeymoon. Get a lot of Gene, Scott, Gene, <laughs> Scott. Okay. It continues on. And unless anybody wants to talk about it more in depth, we'll just skip over it. We need to jump back for a second, because do you know who wrote the Repo Man episode? Yes. So, for everybody who has listened to me talk to Eric and Julia about stuff, it's not like this cartoon was created in a vacuum. So, not only if you had writers who were just writing the cartoon and that's it, had access to what Marvel was kind of doing and planning so they could have things line up. You have this little guy called Len Wein who wrote this episode. Who, if you like Swamp Thing or this, or I mean, Swamp Thing's enough, you like Len Wein's work. He is a super legit comics writer. Of course, he's going to know what's going on. And I'm just kind of conjecting here, but maybe they kind of worked on this with some other people and everything is going to line up well. Okay. Could have happened. Yeah, Len Wein was actually a guest at the first con I ever went to. So the last thing I want to talk about is, again, all the cameos that were slipped in there. I will tell that full story later on a later podcast, but the animation team through known Avengers, Marvel comic characters, and mutants into these just by naming them like Mutant 1, 2, 3, 4. So we definitely get a few noted Marvel characters in here. You get Captain America and Deadpool for a couple. Chris, did you spot any more? Oh, gosh, it's been like a whole day since I watched this. I know. So the scene with Deadpool was the one that was like two or three others. I don't remember which one they were, but I, I know for sure you saw in Red Dawn, you saw Captain America who was frozen, I guess, in Russia. I'm not sure how that happened. 
and or maybe it was just a picture. It was a I don't poster. Know. Yeah, it was like a poster because Omega Red is the answer. Right, and then you have Deadpool, which Morph, I believe, yeah, Morph was freaking out and turned into a whole bunch of people, and one of them was Deadpool. For, I, there was another one there. I was like, oh hey, and I don't remember who it was. So we continue to get that, which is great. I've enjoyed these five episodes. I'm looking forward to the next four. That's what we're doing next time. So we'll go around the horn and final thoughts. We'll start with you, Chris. This is where you're really seeing your interwoven storylines work. Not only do you have stories going from episode to episode, you have an A plot, a B plot, sometimes even a C plot going in each episode. If you like the way that these stories are formatted, you're going to like the way that this era of X-Men reads. You know, if you can get past the 90s art, which sometimes can get a little bit weird and not exactly friendly to certain groups of people in various ways. If you can get past that and Rob, Rob Liefeld's total inability to draw feet, <laughs> then go read the comics because they're just as much fun as this. Definitely seconding. I think that whole stretch of I think you should just go back and read, you know, all the X-Men comics from back in the day in general, but this particular era of them is just so classic and formative. I also think that yeah, again, if you haven't watched X-Men since you were a kid or if you've never watched it at all, it's so awesome to have it all streaming in one place and you can just go right through it instead of doing what I did years ago and going to different stores and trying to hunt down, okay, who has a copy of the first volume of the DVDs? It's such an important show for me personally, for a lot of people that I know, for a lot of people I don't know. And I'm so excited to finally get to be here talking with it. So I could use an adamantium spine. Somebody get that on that for me. One of the things we didn't talk about, and I'm sorry, it's just in my head. Everyone had these great things to say. And now I'm just going to come here and be like, I remember last, I think it was last episode, we were talking about, Chris brought up the point of they're robots and you can kill a bunch of robots. And it was interesting. In the first episode, Wolverine is fighting pull <laughs> It's fighting Cyclops, and then, and then, it, and then Cyclops turns into a robot, which then gives Wolverine permission to kill Cyclops. <gasps> and then we finally learn what Wolverine's type is: a redheaded woman who's already in a relationship, who quote unquote tames the beast in him. Man's got a type. It was also driving me crazy in the episode because they kept saying James. And, you know, now we know after Wolverine Origins in the early 2000s that Wolverine's real name is James Howlett. And it's been that way for like 20 years now. So I'm just used to that. So every time they say James, I'm like, how did they know? And then I remember. Because X-Men. So next time we're going to talk X-Men, the animated series, season two, episodes six through nine. If you're following along with us, go ahead, watch them, get your feedback to us before we record, and we will gladly insert it into our discussion of X-Men. In the meantime, we've got some big news to talk about. 
about Marvel Studios. First up, I know some of you are going to be sad. Netflix is removing its Marvel shows next month. By the end of this, you know, February, come March 1st, no more Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, The Punisher, and The Defenders. They're going to go away. Don't know where they're going to land. Reports also say that Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. will also be disappearing. Um, midnight, February 28th. Don't know where that's going. There's just a lot of talk. Hulu, Disney Plus, nowhere. Who knows? Yes, I know that's sad for many of you, but for me, called it. <laughs> called it. So a little behind the scenes about the podcast. I'm drawing back the curtain. I have permission to talk about this. I repeatedly voiced my concern about this, about the shows leaving Netflix a lot. I was very insistent on making sure we got through the Netflix shows in a very timely manner because I kept saying, look, tomorrow there could be news that the shows are going to go. I got a little pushback. I got a little couple of eye rolls. Yeah, I, you know, maybe you're overreacting a little bit. It probably won't happen that soon and all that type of stuff. But I just kept going. We need, I pushed for the two episodes a week. I'm the one that sort of pushed the Iron Fist. I flipped Iron Fist and Luke Cage to fit it nicely within those five weeks. I was just very much, we've got to do at least two a week. We've got to get through this. And just so you know, we finished the Netflix shows between Falcon and Our Soldier and um, Loki. That was Jessica Jones season three. That's when we finally finished our Netflix shows. We did cover other shows. We've covered Legion, Runaways, Cloak and Dagger. And of course, that got into, you know, the schedule for Netflix. I did a little math. And if we had done one a week, which is how this podcast started when the Netflix shows, it was one a week. If we had kept that, we would still have half of Daredevil season three, Punisher season two, and Jessica season three left at this moment. So I would just like to take a moment and go, I was not overreacting because called it. Okay, I called it. Look, I get very few little moments in my life where I can just kind of gloat about something and and sort of just stress about how something I was like right about and like I called it. But I just thank you for letting me just take this moment to bathe in this for like three minutes. You know, as you were describing it back then, I bought into, okay, so two years after these shows leave Netflix, they might mean or they're canceled. They might leave Netflix, right? So I kind of bought into that. My pushback wasn't that let's get these done before those two years are up. My pushback was, I don't know if I have time in my life to watch multiple episodes per week, but I made time to do it because you made such a convincing argument to do that. Now, Punisher season two was done all in one episode because, well, that's all it needed. But yeah, I actually had a recent conversation with Stephen Jondra, the owner of the Get a Geek Network, because once this announcement was made, he's like, okay, I got to get through these. So he did just watch Punisher season two. He had a whole bunch of stuff to say about it. I'm like, yeah, that's why we only did it in one episode. 
it would have been great having him on the podcast because he had a couple of additional things to say that I don't think we really ran through in that episode. But yeah, Punisher season two, it was brutal doing those, what, 13 episodes in one week or something like that, literally and figuratively. But yeah, that's why we did it because Michelle pushed. I will give all credit to Michelle. I will not say that I was involved in that. Actually, at the time, Michelle had complete control of all the scheduling, still does. So it was up to her. I was like, man, do I really need to? Okay. All right. I get it. Two years. So Lauren, what do you think about these shows leaving, including Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Well, first off, if Stephen has something to say, he can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. And I thought that it was confirmed they were going to Disney+. Plus. No, there's okay. no... I guess it was... There's a bunch of rumors. There was a, there was a news story. I did not put it in because it's not from reliable sources about Punisher. There's a lot of because they're leaving, because Netflix did not make a big deal out of this. It was just a lot of people just noticing certain things are leaving because Netflix really wants the whole Marvel Netflix thing went away. Netflix was just giving them the middle finger. We don't care. So there's just a lot of talk right now because no one's really talking about it. Yeah, I on the one hand, it'll be interesting to see where they'll go, but they need to start releasing things on physical media again for Netflix originals and you know Amazon originals, just all this stuff because of stuff like this. That's what's incredibly annoying to me. I might want to go back and rewatch. Well, I'm, there's th- some of the ones that I want to go back and rewatch, not, you know, maybe Iron Fist, but it's just, I want it to land somewhere where I can see it again and where it won't be edited all to crap. I mean, let's be realistic here, though. Iron Fist was not 100% bad. Come on. You're right. It had, it had Colleen Wing. Yeah. And close your eyes and you can see all the other reasons why I really enjoyed it. Honestly, for 83% of the stuff leaving Netflix, I'm really sad. And then there's Iron Fist. So for me, the big thing is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've talked several times in the last few months that I wanted to go back and do an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. rewatch. I got suckered into a West Wing rewatch, so I did that. Now I'm watching The Expanse because I'm guesting on another podcast. So I haven't had a time to go back and do that. I kind of feel a little cheated, like I should have gone back and rewatched it when I did West Wing because then I'd be through it. I'm really hoping it ends up somewhere where I can see it. I think we can still get physical copies of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. seasons, so if it comes down to that, I'll do it, but I would much prefer... I'm trying to get rid of all the physical copies of stuff that you kind of see, some of it behind me. I'm trying to get rid of that and just go all digital, because in the end, my kids are going to have to deal with it when I move on, and I just don't want them to have to do that. So I'm in the stage of my life of trying to get rid of stuff and only keep the stuff that is really important to me. As far as the Netflix shows, I have a couple of thoughts of why Netflix is doing this right now. One, it could be rights. Nobody knows about the rights for any of this stuff because they were Netflix originals, but they were also produced by Marvel Studios. So I'm not sure where the rights really lie with these shows, if they could even be on Disney Plus or Hulu or wherever they want to place it. So I don't know that. And then the other thing is that 
there's been some use of the characters lately. I mean, we all saw the Kingpin in the Hawkeye series. So maybe they're just like, uh, we're going to thumb up our nose at Marvel since they pulled the rug out from underneath us. I'm not so sure that happened either, but maybe it's a, a little bit of play back and forth between them. Like, hey, you're starting to use our characters. We're not going to give you the opportunities to refer back to those series. I don't know. We'll see. If you're a copyright lawyer, head on over to legendsofshield.com slash discord and tell us all about copyright law. Because I don't know about everybody else, but I am a giant nerd and I actually want to hear it. There's this whole entertainment law. Yeah, my best friend's a trademark attorney. I'll see what I can do. Yes, please. Because I was being completely serious. Oh, yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. All right, Chris, let's move on. What do we got next? Next, during the Super Bowl, which I did not watch because I was too busy watching cartoons and I didn't care. We did get two things that I really wish I had seen right up front with everybody else. The first of which is a new trailer for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It has all of the craziness that I am expecting. It has Shuma Garoth. I don't care. That's his name. That's what I'm going to say. And some people, if they were really eagle-eyed, might have spotted Captain Carter's shield. Not only that, but did you hear a familiar voice? So many voices. I actually missed that. I was so... Oh, okay. No, the voice at the very end of the trailer, I... I started scream. I was watching the Super Bowl. I started screaming when I heard that. Um, there's a group of characters that it looks like they're going to be introducing that I'm very excited for, and I'm not going to spoil it, but go back and listen to that bit at the end of the trailer. I'm not going to say they're going to be introducing these characters. It might be a window. So this is Multiverse of Madness, right? So it might be a window into a multiverse that they won't ever use again but it is definitely there and yeah i'm gonna chris i'm not gonna spoil it for you because i know you just watched it right before we recorded you're gonna have to go back if you're listening to this podcast you know what i'm talking about if you heard the trailer listen to the trailer and you will hear a very very familiar voice and you will start to wonder what it really means. So, Michelle, what do you think it meant? I don't want to go there. There's so much speculation. What I do want to say is good on Marvel for making the What If series actually necessary to watch. It's always been necessary to watch. It's not much fun. Yeah, it just it had me so happy. Also, you can Google this yourself. There was another casting thing that was a reported casting thing for Doctor Strange that was announced today that puts some weight in my theory of who they're. But anyway. So you had Supreme Strange, you had Captain Carter, and so it wasn't just one thing with the What If series. I believe we got zombies in there too. So you have three things that were introduced, at least three things, Probably more off the top of my head, that's all I'm thinking about. In what if that are being used in the trailer? What if we get bro Thanos? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, Lauren, don't forget, too, that I'm going to go watch this the second we're done recording. Oh, yes. So if you spoil something, it's going to be a spoiler for me for maybe 20 minutes. Yeah, but I don't want to. Yeah, no, not just, this one. Sorry. Okay. You're going to have to hear it yourself. Yes. Lauren, let's move on to the next trailer. 
Okay, there was another Marvel trailer at the Super Bowl. This one was for Moon Knight. And honestly, it was pretty much all of the same stuff from the last trailer that we saw, with the exception of the Mr. Knight persona making an appearance. And yeah, I continued to be very cautiously excited about this show. Marvel's Disney shows haven't steered me wrong yet. It's got Oscar Isaac. So fingers crossed. Yeah, again, big fingers crossed. I'm not more or less excited now after seeing this one. Yeah, pretty much the same. I've seen a lot of articles out there and I just won't get into it, but there is um there's a definite message that they're trying to get across that they're not something that's out there. We'll talk about it later. We'll also talk about the Doctor Strange trailer again next week because i do want to talk about more about that once chris we'll be talking about moon Knight soon enough so we will i was talking about the doctor strange trailer but yes moon Knight. we're probably going to get another moon Knight trailer or two so we'll get more into what the series is going to show us but then again marvel has done a great job of mr rex and use footage the same thing with star wars use footage that they don't use in the actual series so we'll see what happens there All right, we have some feedback. So first off, our Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. account and asked, our host at Play Comics, Chris. Which is me. Would like to know, what has been your favorite Marvel Comics-based game of all time? And we've had a few responses. We had at the Chris Farrell, Marvel Spider-Man on PS4, honorable mentions to X-Men Legends and Marvel Ultimate Alliance. At Sith Witch, me! responded i haven't played the ps4 spider-man or the new guardians of the galaxy game yet so right now my favorites are squeenix's avengers and the wolverine game from the early 2000s the one with mark hamill as wolverine at anthony bachman said spider-man on ps4 is the best so far with miles morales a close second at mr paraclete said top four x-men arcade spider-man 2 maximum carnage and x-men on sega did Either of y'all have anything else to add to to this list? No. The entire Marvel versus whatever line of games. Anything from that family. Also, this seems like as good a time as any to point out that what do y'all think is the most requested show or most requested game for people to be on for my show? Marvel versus Capcom? No, it's actually X-Men Legends. Really? Yes. Huh. I haven't played that in forever. <laughs> I think Me we have it, but I haven't played it in forever. SP, what is your favorite Marvel-based video game? I haven't played all that much, so I'd have to default back to the Spider-Man game that was on PS4 a couple years ago, because that's like the only one I can say. I think I tried to do the Marvel Avengers one uh, a few years ago where you had to have the little figures to play it, and... I just never really got that one going. So I'd have to go with Spider-Man just because process of elimination. You had me all excited because I thought you were going to dig back to the PS1 Spider-Man. No, I do have a PS1. I think actually we do have the PS1 game, but it would be at my son's place up in Madison. Do you remember those little handheld LCD screen 
ones mm-hmm. from like back where you could buy them at like Walmart. I'm pretty yes. sure we had an X-Men version of that. It was like Storm, I think. I had a Batman one. I had a Lion King one, and I think we had the X-Men one, and my sister had the Aladdin one. We had DuckTales. Speaking of which, at Mr. Paraclete said, did Stargate Pioneer try to make Deanna Troy the launchpad McQuack of Star Trek? I don't get it. You'd have to listen to the last episode, and we were talking uh, offhandedly about Deanna Troy and the... Uh, Crashing the Blackbird. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. We ended, I think we ended that conversation nicely, Michelle. I, I believe we did. <laughs> I think so. Okay. Don't talk bad about Launchpad McQuack. He gets you where you need to go. Well, I exactly. mentioned that any landing you can walk away from is probably a good one. So if you're going to crash a ship, as long as you can walk away from it, you're good. So if that's Launchpad McQuack, then okay. That is, in fact, Launchpad's entire character. We also had our account ask, what Marvel superhero would you love to see in a band on stage on tour? At Marvel Madam said, I could see Bucky on stage with some eyeliner and a guitar. So that was actually a thing in the Avengers Academy iPad game, which I should have also listed as a game that I liked that they did. At Mr. Paracleate said, Ant-Man and the Ant-Tones. At RHID83 said, Doctor Strange, I'd buy his album, which I imagine would be a cross between Depeche Mode and Kraftwerk. I could dig that. At the Foxtrot underscore said, The Deke Squad. And at Pathmer 4 said, The Deke Squad featuring Daisy Johnson. And at Christina 4109 said, Is Lila Cheney too much of a gimme? Excellent pool, thank you. I had to research that. I had not run into Lila Cheney before. So, yeah, that one was a good pull. I will have to say. And yet no one mentioned the Mary Janes from Earth 65. Why did you not? Or Dazzler. Yeah, said, that's what I'm thinking. How can you not put Dazzler? To cross the streams, Dazzler and Black Canary. Oh, that would oh, yeah. be so cool. Why did you not? You guys could respond to this. Why did you not respond to I this? Did. I assume I, I was found busy. a picture. I found some comic panels of Gwen Drumming and said, anybody who thinks I will pick anybody else obviously hasn't been paying attention. All right. All right. So if you want to follow and respond to any of these, go follow our Twitter account at Legends of Shield. Everybody here has access to it. So I'm not telling who posted these tweets because it could have been any one of the four of us. All right, guys. I think that's about it for today. So why don't we start, you know, Jurassic World style? Let's run away from some dinosaurs in the Antarctic on our way out of here. All right. Let's go. Looking forward to some more Savage Land in the future episodes. Look, we have a network that we're on, the GunnaGeek.com network. Chris has a great podcast, and I'm sure he'll be talking to you about a second on the network. Also, we have a really a storytelling podcast, a tabletop gaming podcast called Adventures in Aurelia. Damien, he is the producer of the show, he's the DM of the game, and he wanted to say they are starting to get rolling again now that they can get back together a little bit more comfortably a couple of years into this pandemic here, and they're working on releasing more regularly. They're also starting to dedicate some of their Patreon funds to getting art accomplished to help 
show listeners the things that they interact with in the show that would be there. And if you're in our Discord server, you've seen some of his commissioned art pieces. They are fantastic. And I'm glad he's able to do that for everyone. You can get that at guineageek.com and the podcast is called Adventures in Aurelia. So you can find everywhere I'm at professionally on my website, lwsalinas.com. And in addition to being on here on Thursday nights, you can also find me on the Nerds with Dice Twitch tomorrow, Fridays at uh, 7 p.m. Central, where I am a basically totally not a Power Ranger in the game Masks. I forgot what the tagline for our season is. But we are having adventures through time. You can find me on Twitter at shell underscore game. That's C-H-E-L-L-E underscore game. You can head over to the Nerds with Dice YouTube and find a playlist for Riff's Ballad of Fate. And enjoy our journey, starting with a demon on a train, watching people get to know each other while eating ghost fudge. Going to a place called the Nightlands with the storming red sky and having an epic final battle. And you can also find me over at Play Comics, where as we're recording this, the latest episode that I've released, I caught up with an old college friend and we took a look at Digimon World for the PS1. And as long as time does everything it's supposed to do, the next episode will be out by the time this one comes out. And you can hear me talking to Alan Dunford about a Kickstarter that will be finishing in three days or so as the recording comes out, looking at his comic, Pocus Hocus. And it's really hard for me to say that the right way. Just like now, it's really hard for him to say it the wrong way. (laughs) Ah. Yeah. It's really hard for me to say that the right way now. It's really hard for me to go back and say it the wrong way because I want to say Hocus Pocus, but it's really hard for him to say Hocus Pocus because he's been saying Pocus Hocus this whole time. Mm. Well, (laughs) that was of his own making, apparently. Well, yeah, that's his own fault, and he admits it. Okay. Well, that's it for this week. We have had a lot of fun. We're glad that you hung in there with us, and we're looking forward to more discussions next time. Until then, I'm director of the show, SP. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Agent Chris. See everybody next time. Bye. 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 Don't forget to write a note and put it on the fridge if you're going to go off and save the world. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. I watched the lip sync battle, Michelle. Yes, and? Oh, yeah, it was good. I mean, of course he had to go shirtless, too. That was pretty cool.
Which lipstick what? battle? It's not the one I gave you. Tom Holland does not go shirtless in it. There was something about it. Sh- I mean, he did take off his he shirt. He wore a corset. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. There we go. Oh, I love that video so much. Michelle, I also watched the Rift Ballad of Fate finale. That was some uh, epic fighting. I have never had a character have that hero moment. That's the first time I actually ever had a hero moment. That is so cool. And I'm so happy for you. Yeah. I also liked how I'll, I mean, I've seen it before, but I do like how all the players are, there's a lot of cosplaying, I guess, or character emulation or or something like that. I don't know what to call it, but yeah, I liked how that works on the show. Thank you. Yeah. It's been interesting playing with Evan, who's been playing against type all year, all year. (laughs) This innocent guy just out in the world. He's Evan, so not that. Chris, I listened to the show. I listened to your episode. It was pretty good. How'd you feel about it? It seemed kind of weird putting out a regular episode again, but I had so many bonus ones with stuff. They had their time sensitiveness. I kind of had to put them out. You had a return of the um, former guests, basically, right? Uh, no, this is just somebody I went to college with. Really? Okay. So that's yeah. the familiarity. Okay. I will have to check on when the timestamp is and I will let you know, but at some point there, I had a drinking problem as we were recording and I muted it on StreamYard here, but not on my recording. Oh, that's all right. I listen to the whole thing anyway. So, so the outtake this week is just going to be. <laughs> now i will do that (laughs) insert it here legends of shield is copyright 2013 through 2022